0: Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. It's always an honour for me to be asked to preach and it's even more so today being Anzac Day. Let's commit this time to the Lord and pray the prayer that many prayed, leaving the boats and going ashore of Gallipoli, the Lord's Prayer. So please stand and if you know it, um, please say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Pastor Sean asked me to preach on the statement, loyalty to the faith, which I will do so in a moment. For me, today started the same as it has for many years, and I attended the dawn service with my mates. When I was a young man, I never attended or paid too much attention to Anzac Day, as I have no immediate family who served. But that all changed in my 20s after I saw old veterans in tears on TV The crowds were getting smaller each year and with that came the possibility for these brave men and women that their brave heroic deeds may one day be remembered no more. Each year the crowds get bigger and while there is air in my lungs I'll continue to be one of them. If you've never been to a dawn service I encourage you to put aside one sleep in a year and go. To be honest it's the least that we can do to honour those brave men and women. And Joey and Oscar, it was an absolute privilege to share the dawn service with you this morning. It's always wonderful to see the next generation there. Um, we've got a video that we're about to watch. Thank you. What the hell is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private DOS. Who the hell is Private DOS? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but... Uh get my school, I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Would you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm gonna be saving it. And that's gonna be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government, designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You don't kill? No, sir. You know quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I fell in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. They're saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm gonna live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart... It seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss. you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. I'm going to get you home. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the card. We have to go back up tomorrow. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Let me get one more. What the hell is your delay, Captain? You're supposed to begin that assault ten minutes ago. We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss to finish praying for us, sir. Private Doss is praying for you. Who the hell is... I'm quoting from an article as I could never do a story like this justice. Desmond Doss is credited with saving 75 soldiers during one of the bloodiest battles of World War II in the Pacific, and he did it without ever carrying a weapon. The battle at Hacksaw Ridge on the island of Okinawa was a close combat fight with heavy weaponry. A quiet, skinny kid from Lynchburg, Virginia, Doss was a Seventh day Adventist who wouldn't touch a weapon or work on the Sabbath. He enlisted in the army as a combat medic because he believed in the cause but had vowed not to kill. The army wanted nothing to do with him. The army made Doss's life hard during training. It started out as harassment and then it became abusive. They considered him a pest, questioned his sincerity, and threw shoes at him while he prayed. Doss's commanding officer, Captain Jack Glover, tried to get him transferred. But hard as they tried, the army couldn't force Doss to use a weapon. A 1940 law allowed conscientious objectors to serve the war effort in non-combatant positions. Doss went with his company as a medic to the Pacific Theatre and at Okinawa in the spring of 1945, Doss's company faced a gruelling task, climb a steep jagged cliff, sometimes called Hacksaw Ridge, to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were waiting for them. The terrain was treacherous, it was full of caves and holes and the Japanese were well dug in. Under a barrage of gunfire and explosions, Doss crawled on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. He dragged, and lowered, he dragged severely injured men to the edge of the ridge, tied a rope around their bodies and lowered them down to the other medics below. Doss later says, "'I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more.'" Doss saved 75 men, including his captain Jack Glover, over a 12-hour period, The same soldiers who had shamed him now praised him. He was one of the bravest persons alive, Captain Glover says, and then to have him end up saving my life was the irony of the whole thing. He was twice awarded the Bronze Star Medal for actions in Guam and the Philippines. President Harry Truman awarded Doss the Medal of Honour in 1945 and he died in 2006. I read a great quote on loyalty. Loyalty isn't grey, it's black and white. You're either loyal completely, or you're not loyal at all. The title of this message today is Facing the Furnace. If you have your Bible, please go to the book of Daniel chapter 3, where we'll be reading about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Or for VeggieTale fans, Rack, Shack and Benny. Should have been that all along, I think. I'll just summarise to verse 14. So King Nebuchadnezzar set up a golden image on the plain of Jura and commanded that all his officials bow down before it. All who failed to do so will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Some of the officials informed the king that the three Jewish youths, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, who bore the Babylonian names Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and whom the king had appointed a high office in Babylon, were refusing to worship the golden statue. The three were brought before Nebuchadnezzar, where we take it up in verse 14... So Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking round in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. One of the greatest stories of loyalty to your faith in the Bible. And what would it take for us to have that kind of loyalty to our faith? Rak, Shack and Benny would have had a good life in Babylon. Servants to take care of their daily needs, prosperity they would have rubbed shoulders with society's elite and it would have been easy for them to bow down to the statue so they could keep their comfortable life but they never turned their backs on God. There they are staring certain death in the face, a fiery furnace heated seven times hotter than normal, so hot that the guards were burnt alive who threw them in. But still they never denied God, they never distorted the truth of God to get out of their predicament." And God was faithful, he showed up in the furnace and he blessed them with more. How about us and our faith? What do we do when the heat comes on from the world? Do we stand for God or do we stand for nothing? Some of us are fearful of rejection. I was one of them, so I'm speaking from experience when I tell you that it's easier to bow down to the statue and abandon your faith momentarily because you're more worried about what people will think of you When you share your faith, I was wrong. Like the disciple Peter, it came in a single moment. The rooster crowing reminded Peter of what Jesus said about him denying that he knew Jesus. For me, a single moment changed my fear of sharing my faith to fear of my friend spending eternity separated from God. A work colleague received a terminal diagnosis and been given six months to live. And when he told me, God in an instant said, Tim, if you don't tell John about Jesus, who will? John had a Catholic faith. We shared communion at his house and he came here to the Christmas service and then he went to be with the Lord. There are so many things that can take the shape of a 3 by metre statue in our lives. And, ha- and sadly, at times, we have no hesitation in bowing down to it, even though we know it's wrong. The payoff, we justify the means to an end. It's easy to point the finger at alcoholics and drug addicts and gambling addicts and the addictions that the world frowns on. But what about the addictions that the world applauses? The ones that take our focus from Jesus? Exercise. You're probably thinking, as Tim lost his marbles? Hear me out. There is nothing wrong with keeping fit and healthy. It does wonders for you physically and mentally. But when it gets to addiction levels, you start losing your focus on Jesus and you put more on PBs, which means more time at the gym, on the bike or pounding the pavement. Trust me, I've been there. It took seven years of running 100 ks a week to realise that God wasn't even a pinhead on my radar. And my justification was I'm fit, I'm healthy, life's good, so I don't need to worry about God that much. Mostly the world was happy with me, but Pastor Sean saw the cracks. My wife Jane saw the canyons. Constantly tired and grumpy, there were seasons in our marriage where the South Pole in the middle of the winter was a warmer place than at home. So I threw away the watch, stopped going to the running group and started running with Pastor Sean and others who spoke life into me. And in turn, God started speaking the unconditional love of Jesus over my heart. And God did a lot of healing in all areas of my life. You may be in a similar season in your life today. And what I've said you will brush away as nonsense. Because you either know it and you don't want to hear it, or you're that far away from God, you can't even remember the last time you read his word or prayed. We have no hesitation seeking him. When things get turned upside down, we will run to the front for prayer because life sucks. When it's good, we forget about God and concentrate on conquering our next Everest or find our next diet or lifestyle to focus on for social media. Where's the loyalty in that? Being a born-again Christian takes faith and discipline. And when we lack either, we are like a rudderless sailboat. When the wind starts to blow, we will go in any direction but God. Matthew 16, 26 says... What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Imagine if Shack, and Benny did bow down to the statue. They would have kept Nebuchadnezzar's face from distorting with rage. They would have kept the status quo with their lifestyle. But their loyalty would have been laid out plain to see for God. God is the same yesterday, today and always and he never leaves us or forsakes us. It's we who walk away from him. When we make God a priority in our lives, things start to happen immediately. Day by day, God uses the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to mend the broken heart and to put back what the world took away and that's Jesus, our Saviour, as Lord of our life. I'm loyal to my faith because God has been so good to me and my family. God healed me from epilepsy, which came from meningitis as a child, thanks to my grandmother, who was an intercessor in prayer. I had an epileptic seizure, blacked out and fell three metres and landed on concrete, where I hit my head and only suffered superficial wounds. And any time I rub the scar, I'm reminded of God's goodness. Alcoholism is in my family genes. And yet my parents, after they gave their lives to Jesus, knew the, knew the importance of breaking the bonds of generational sin in Jesus' name. And praise the name of Jesus because the bonds of alcoholism were broken and stopped with my grandfather. God chose the perfect woman for me, my wife Jane. i married very well and any time that's pointed out I'm reminded of God's goodness. I've got two daughters and two sons. Laura was born with premature lungs and spent her first week at the neonatal ward. We were told by the paediatrician that she may not make it and that was tough as people here know the feeling. But again, God was so good to me and she was healed. Thanks to my family's faith in God, I was able to sit down with my parents and talk about the past, as I didn't have an idyllic childhood. Our family was very dysfunctional and that caused issues with my behaviour and relationships. And yet after tears, prayers and forgiveness, God set me free from that bondage. My parents and I now laugh about the past. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. Tell me this, if we aren't loyal to our faith, why aren't we? Do we honestly think that we can do better without God by our side? Don't get me wrong. (laughs) There have been plenty of tough times in my life, but God has taught me one powerful thing that every Christian must learn to do and do it often, that is to forgive one another. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God blesses you when you forgive those that have hurt you. Forgiveness makes it easy to forget about the bad times because Jesus has taken the hold away on your life. Then it's easier to live a thankful life. Being loyal to your faith means forgiving one another. Thank you, Steve. To quote a movie line, live for nothing or die for something. Imagine if we're with one of our friends who's a non-believer and it's a time where we are looking at the furnace. The friend challenges your faith on a topic and you decide to bow down to the statue instead of standing for God and speaking the truth about his love for them. That's living for nothing. The moment comes and goes and life goes on. But do we ever stop and think that that single moment might have been the only moment in that person's life where they were confronted with a choice of eternity and we denied them the opportunity because we weren't loyal to our faith? Imagine if Desmond Doss had bowed down to the world instead of honouring God with his faith. All those 75 lives he saved on the battlefield would have been a headstone in a cemetery. And for some of them, they would have been spending eternity in hell at that moment in their lives. But how many became believers after? Because Desmond Doss faced the furnace and was loyal to his faith. He never doubted God's hand on his life. That's dying for something. Desmond Doss set an example. Jesus set an example for us to follow, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, in the Message Version. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. And remember, when he gave his charge, he's speaking to us, here and now. He said, God authorised and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Jesus has charged us to do the job. How many disciples did we make last year? How many do we want this year? I'm in sales, and I can honestly tell you with all my heart, salvations are the only number I get excited about. You can have your PBs and your friends on social media. I'll take as many with me to eternity as I possibly can. We need to face the furnace for those that are lost. As as Christ followers, we need to put on the heat suit, the armour of God. And we need to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ like never before. But never fear because our Saviour Jesus is there beside us like he was in the furnace. There is no plan B for eternity, folks. Heaven or hell, it's our choice. Accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour and seek him every day of our lives. And when we fail, and we will fail, ask him for forgiveness and his grace is sufficient for our sins to be forgiven. Or we we reject him. Gold statues, social media, self-worth, Worldly possessions, idols, status, I could go on for hours. Without Jesus in our heart, they mean nothing in eternity. Year by year, more and more countries are passing laws to silence God's church. I don't agree with it, but I'm not surprised by it. I accept that we're living in the end times. The Bible tells us that being a child of God won't be cool anymore. Being loyal to your faith is being the light on the hill. More than ever, we need to know who we are in God. The world will never, ever, ever have the power of where we choose to spend eternity. We all have family and friends who don't have a relationship with Jesus and they at times get anxious about what the world is doing. We need to face the furnace and give them hope through the message of Jesus Christ and share his love for them. Matthew 5 verse 14 to 16 in the Passion Translation says, Your lives light up the world, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop, and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead it's place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others, so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Every day we are here is a day closer to eternity and we need to know where we are with God. The book of Revelation is exciting, it's scary and confronting, but it's God's plan for the end of days, the glorious reappearing of Jesus Christ. I can never do it justice by preaching on it, as you need a teacher and not a preacher, but let me say this. God has only ever wanted one thing from us since the day we were born, and that's a personal relationship with us by accepting his son Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be good enough. Jesus takes us as we are as he washes away our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Can everyone please bow their heads and close their eyes? Today may be the first time you've heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ or it may be the millionth. As a non-believer, your heart may be pounding as the Holy Spirit has been working in you this morning. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll see it and acknowledge it. Is there anyone here today that would like to do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This message today may have spoken to you about facing the heat. You'd rather face an angry raging bull than face the furnace for Jesus as it's scary to you. If that's you, I'll ask you to please go to the back corner of the auditorium where our ministry team will pray for you i'd like to end with a scripture 1 peter 3 15 and 16 but give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives and if anyone asks about the hope living within you always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and respect thanks for joining us today at see through Hobart online If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.